kind and one of another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married, I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. But the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife. And the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. And as it is, they are holy. But if an unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. And God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you, will ha- whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all churches. Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, there's... We come here today before you, and we thank you for the freedom that we have to gather together, to dive into your word, Father, and to hear from you. And Lord, this morning, we come before you with topics that are hard to hear for some of us. And at some point, all of us struggle with either singleness, or we struggle within our marriage, or we struggle with being divorced, or we struggle with being widowed. But Lord, your word makes it clear to us that there is wholeness and fulfillment and honoring you regardless of our status. And your word calls us to do that. Lord, this morning, would you open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to you? Would you help us, our spirits, to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit that we would hear and know what your word says to us and what you are calling us to do, Father? Lord, speak through me. Let these be your words, not mine. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So the title of our sermon today is called Recapturing Your Status. That is to say that regardless of what your status is, there's beauty in it. And we're going to look at that. So as a quick background to our text, as you may remember from last week, as we kind of mentioned earlier, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And Paul's attempting to combat the influences of their culture. And as we'll see in today's text, Paul is challenging the people in his letter here to consider how can they honor God in their relationships. So today, I'm going to be talking about all, to, talking to all audiences, not just people who are married, right? Not just people who are in relationships, but to everybody. Because Paul, or because God's word addresses everyone, single, married, divorced, or widow. So how do we honor God in our relationships according to the God's word, according to what we just read here? The first, the first point here is this, is that we need to recapture the beauty of singleness, And let me go ahead and just say here, if you're here today and you're not single, don't think, okay, this doesn't apply to me. All right? This applies to all of us. But 
we need to recapture the beauty of singleness. That is that we need to understand that there is beauty in being single. Um, going back here to our text that we just, uh, that we just read here, it's going to be up here on the, uh, on the slide for us here. 1 Corinthians uh, 7, 6 says, uh, now as a concession, not a command, I say this, all right? So we need to stop right here, and the first thing I need to point out to you is what Paul is saying is a concession, meaning this is, not, this is not God's command. This is not a command from God, but this is coming from a man named Paul who has lived a life of singleness his whole life. He's, he's single, uh, and he's giving out to the churches, let me give you my blessing, and let me give you this, this granting of it's okay to be single. So as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of, a, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So as Paul says, as I am, Paul is speaking not as a married person telling people, oh, you're, oh, I'm married, but you should stay single. Paul is saying, no, as someone who has lived this life of singleness, let me speak from that experience to you. So what are some things that we can learn from just short scripture, the short passage from Paul? The first thing is that we need to learn is singleness is a gift. And if you're here today and you're struggling with singleness, that might be hard to hear. Or you might be thinking, it don't don't feel much like a gift to me. But it is a gift, and it's a gift in two ways. The first way is that some people have the gift of being single, all right? Now, here's what I mean by that. That is to say that God has gifted you with with the peace and being content and feeling whole with being single. You do not have, as Paul said at the end of this text, the burning passion, right? It's a gift in that way. But for those of you who are struggling with singleness, for those of you who do have the burning passion for relationships, and I, I don't say this easy, easily, but right now, this time, right here, right now that you have to being single, it is a gift. It may not feel like it, but God is gifting you with the opportunity to grow closer to him. And to be used by him without the distraction of a relationship. As a married person, okay, I can, let, me be, let me be among other married people and tell you that marriage is hard sometimes. And as God's word says, when wife submits to husband uh, and husband is loving the wife, oftentimes you get this, you're distracted by your marriage. All right? And we're going to circle back around by that, uh, to that. But let me just say that there is such a beauty and being single. I remember when I was single for the first time in eight years after I went through my divorce, you know, I, I struggled with it. And so I started trying to date different women. I tried everything. You know, I tried online dating, right, the Christian Mingle website, all that stuff. I tried that. I tried, uh, you know, having mutual friends introduce me to somebody. Um, I tried, you know, reaching out to old friends that I knew were still single. I was like, hey, you know, I'm single too, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I tried everything. My mindset was, man, if I could only get back into a relationship again, I would feel happy. I would feel fulfilled. I would feel whole. I even, I even had some friends that said, you know what? Don't do any serious dating. Just, just go out there, be casual, and have fun with it. And I was like, well, you don't know me very well. If that's because I'm, <laughs> I'm a very emotional, sentimental person, uh, you know, or, or a hopeless romantic, if, if, if you will. <laughs> 
Uh, but in the time of one year, I got into three different relationships. Um, not at the same time. Three different relationships over one year. <laughs> and none of them, none of them made me happy. I ended all of them. They were all short-lived. They failed to meet my expectations and hopes. I put so much hope in one person that this person would, would make me happy, right? But in the end, I only felt more disappointed and even more alone. I struggled even more with that loneliness. I can remember one night I was sitting alone in front of a fire that I made in my backyard feeling like, man, it's been a year I've, I've, when it comes to relationships and I've just, I've just hit rock bottom. You know, I, I shared earlier the testimony about just feeling like I deserve this, I deserve this. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's what I've done to myself. And I'm still, still sitting around carrying the weight and pain of, of going through a divorce, but I had, I had no, what else to do, so I just started praying. And it was as if God was just gently whispering in my ear that when I finally stopped and said, God, what, what, are, what do you want me to do? It was as if God just whispered in my ear and said that I would not be fulfilled and feel whole without him. So that night, I surrendered my plans to him. I surrendered my future to him. I trusted in him, not in a relationship, not in a relationship status, but I trusted in him to help me to feel whole again. Whatever that looked like, single, remarried, whatever that meant. So shortly after that, I started coming to Metro North Church, where I began, I started to attend church regularly again. I'd fallen out, kind of fallen out and fallen away from the church after divorce. Um, I started serving in the student ministry, um, and I got involved in deeper relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. Through all those different things God used to help me to start healing and start feeling whole again. And shortly after that, I met Tracy, my wife. So are you here today, and are you struggling with loneliness? Are you struggling with being single? Or do you know someone who's struggling with being single? Let me encourage you with three things that we can hear, that we can see from God's word here. Foremost, let me tell you from experience, as I've mentioned already, that no relationship is going to fulfill you the way Christ will. Those hopes, those expectations that you have a relationship, not even your perfect list of, you know, all the perfect things of a spouse. No spouse will ever be able to meet those expectations the way Christ can. And no one can love you the way Christ can. It's unmatched. So if you're here today and you're in, and you're in pain from being divorced or being widowed or being single, let me encourage you that Christ and Christ alone will fulfill you and heal you and make you whole again in a way that no other person on this earth can. Second thing here is singleness is not second rate, nor is God withholding his best from you. All right? What do I mean by that? The world today, again, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to be happy, get in a relationship and get in, have a family, da, 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 and if you don't do those things, there's something wrong with you. Singleness, according to God's word, according to what we see here, is not second rate. It's not God giving you second best. It's not God withholding from you, you being happy and you being, and you being satisfied. 
but it's quite the opposite. John John Piper once said, God promises those of you who remain single in Christ blessings that are better than the blessings of marriage and children. And he calls you to display by the Christ-exalting devotion of your singleness the truths about Christ and his kingdoms that shine more clearly through singleness than through marriage and childbearing. Did you hear the advantage that the truths about Christ and his, single, and his kingdom that shine more clearly through the singleness? Christ himself set that example by living a life of singleness. And you might be thinking, well, okay, Tyler, that's easy for Christ, right? He was God, so he didn't, I'm sure he was fine. But remember, Christ was also man, and he was tempted in every way. And yet Christ sought the Father and set the example by seeking the Father for fulfillment. The third thing I want to encourage you with is, are you somebody who's, who's single and struggling with it, and you're burning with the passion? According to what we just read, you can be encouraged that if you're burning with passion, that God has not given you the gift of singleness, okay? I know some people who struggle with singleness, they're like, hey, I can't be in being single. And then other Christians will say, well, God, maybe God's given you the gift of singleness. Like, okay, no, that's, last time I checked, a gift is something that comes naturally and easy to you, and it's granted to you by, you know, without much effort on, on God's part, on the part of the Holy Spirit. So if you are someone who's burning with passion, God has not gifted you, or God has not given you the gift of singleness, so you can be encouraged by that, but he has only gifted you with the opportunity to continue to grow in him and allow him to develop develop you into who he has called you to be for a season, for a time. Psalm 84, 11 states this, and I love this verse, For the Lord God is sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory No good thing will he withhold for them that walk uprightly. So let me give you a couple of quick practical things as well. Continue to look at God in prayer and reading the word. Trust in his plans and his timing, not yours. Trust him with with his plans for you and his future for you, not your plans. And get involved. Get in deep meaningful relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And as a congregation, y'all, we need to be able to be willing to help people who struggle with singleness or people who are single. We need to come alongside them and help them with this. Invite them over for coffee. Invite them over for a meal. Spend time with them. Pray not just for them, but with them. Right? Make them a part of your intimate family moments. When you've got a big family over, you, you invite them over. You know, I've, I've got some single friends, and I've heard that this stuff helps. The deep, meaningful relationships. The other practical thing is serve. I can't explain it, but I can tell you, there is nothing more rewarding and fulfilling than serving God's people. Getting involved in some way and seeing the fruits of the service that, uh, you know, grow before you, all right? So our first point here is that we need to recapture the beauty of the singleness. Second point here is we need to recapture the beauty of marriage. So in other words, like singleness, there is beauty in honoring God in marriage. 
All right, so going back to 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verses 10 through 11 here, it says this. To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. All right, let's pause here. Paul would just switch from, a, from before it was, I give you a concession, not a command. Now Paul is telling us, this is, here's what God's word commands when it comes to marriage. All right, so this is God's word. The wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should, refrain, uh, she, should re, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And to the husband, uh, excuse, and the husband should not divorce his wife. Oh, that's it. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so where's the next verse? Um, Paul is giving us here God's word. And if you look, if you can actually, you can, if you go and try to find different verses where um, the Bible talks about divorce and talking about, you know, staying married to your, to your, a lot of them, a lot of them come, you know, we see some stuff in the Old Testament, but a lot of it comes directly from Jesus himself. Mark 10, 6 through 9, this is one of them. <clears throat> And I'll tell you what, if, if you are divorced like me and you're struggling with it, this verse makes, makes me cringe a little bit, because I understand, or at least it, it did at one time, because I was like, man, this, I messed up here. From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Both Christ and Paul make God's word clear to us. Marriage is, an inst- is instituted by God. And we are commanded to be obedient by not divorcing a spouse. And scripture does allow for divorce in the event of adultery, uh, as if adultery has been committed, or, or an unbeliever, if you're married to an unbeliever spouse, and that unbeliever uh, abandons the marriage. But even in those cases, we're still called to forgiveness and to seek reconciliation first. But look what else scripture also says about marriage. It's a gift from God. Two people are united in one flesh by God. And they enter a covenant with one another to honor and love one another. As Paul says in Ephesians 5, as, we've, as we mentioned earlier, the wife submits to her husband and the husband loves his wife through servant leadership as Christ loves the church. No pressure, guys, but we have to love our wives as well as Christ loves the church. <laughs> and y'all, I get that this marriage can be such a struggle sometimes. Some days marriage is great, and other days it's hard. There are even times when it, it feels like some of the bad days just completely outnumber the good days. And oftentimes, it's because of our own selfishness that's the real problem. You know, if, if only our spouses just knew exactly what we were thinking and what we would want, and, 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 and just do it our way, right? If only they could just read our minds and think, this is what my husband wants, or this is what my wife wants, and this is what I'm going to do, right? It would, it would be so easy, but we may not actually outright think that or say that, but often that's how we feel, and that's where the struggle in marriage often begins. Why don't they do what I want? Why don't they think like I think? Why don't they do it my way? God's word calls us to love our spouse and by loving our spouse 
in a servant, in a, such a, a selfless way, we honor God. As, as of 2017, just to give you some figures here, the divorce rates in the U.S. were around 45%. That's about half of marriages in the United States ending in divorce. And our culture makes it so easy to get a divorce these days. It's, I, I, I was driving down the road the other day, and there's a sign. It just simply read, want a divorce? $150, phone number. I mean, it really feels like you can't even drive down a major road these days, any major road for more than five miles without seeing some sort of billboard for a lawyer with a phone number, right? And not that, not that there's anything wrong with that, but man, is it too easy in our culture to get a divorce. It's, it's just what, it's what our culture tells you. You're not happy? All right, get a divorce. Go find somebody else, right? Not feeling fulfilled? Go find someone else who will make you feel fulfilled, right? Don't, it shouldn't be a struggle, right? Y'all... I read this thing the other day. It talks about marriage should not be a battlefield. Okay, and I said, okay, well, I, I understand that to some extent. But let me tell you that God's word calls us to selfless love. God's word calls us to love our spouse the way Christ loves the church. Thank goodness Christ didn't just give up on us, right? When we're selfish and we're stubborn. Top three reasons for divorce. Cheating spouse, money, and a lack of communication. Other reasons include growing apart, lack of intimacy, abuse, drug or alcohol problems, too much arguing, including often blaming the other spouse for all of the problems. These are just some of the things that put strain on our marriages, even to the point of destroying a marriage. So how do we honor God in recapturing the beauty of marriage? First thing is this, is that we need to understand marriage, like singleness, is a gift from God. And that one of the ways Christ demonstrates his love for us as his bride is by instituting and blessing marriage. And we honor God when we remain obedient to the covenant vows that we made before him. And to our spouse before him. The second thing is, is in marriage, we need to selflessly serve one another. Tim, Tim Keller and his wife, Kathy Keller, in, in a book that they did together, they said, in a good marriage, you identify your own selfishness and see it as the fundamental problem. You treat it more serious than your spouse's selfishness. The everyday tasks of marriage are opportunities to cultivate more selfless love. And every day there's a chance to inspire and to encourage your partner to become his or her best self. In this lens, marriage is not about two individuals trying to satisfy their own needs. It's a partnership of mutual self-giving for the purpose of moral growth and to make their corner of the world a little better. Selflessly love one another, selflessly serve, and in doing that, you honor God. The third point is this. This sometimes comes easy, and this sometimes not so much. Forgiveness. Colossians 3, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has any grievances against someone. 
for as the Lord forgave, for, for as the Lord forgave you. My wife and I tend to have this rule, and I'm not saying this is what you have to do, but this is certainly what helps us. Anytime we get into an argument or a dispute and it just we both get heated, we both, when we come back together for reconciliation, we both walk away apologizing to each other and something that we both need to work on. All right? So what do I, well, let, me, let me make that a little bit more clear. We both, we both say, I need you to forgive me for blank. And here is what I'm going to do next time to do better. And the reason for that is because it takes two people to get married, to fall in love, and to make covenant before the Lord. It takes two people to reconcile. And it takes two people putting in the effort into making it work. Right? And y'all, trust me, there's times when... I know that I've done something to take off Tracy, and, and, I'm, and, and she's, you know, she might be thinking, what am I apologizing for? And I do the same thing. I'm like, well, I don't have anything to apologize for. But the truth is, is when you, when you start looking at it from the other perspective instead of your own perspective, you find that, yeah, I shouldn't have yelled so much. I could have been a little bit more patient and understanding. I should have been quick to listen and slow to speak. I could have done better. So what if you're like me? and you're here today, and you're divorced, and or even remarried from a divorce. Like I said, we read these verses, and God's word makes it clear, we shouldn't divorce for the majority of cases. And y'all, I, I struggled with this. Because I tried to seek reconciliation from a person who didn't want to be reconciled. So I thought, I can't, what do I do? And I'm burning with passion, what do I do? The first thing we need to know, the first thing we need to do, and, and by the way, I don't know your story. If you are one of these people, I don't know your story. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to, because I am the least, right, the least person to be able to, to do any sort of judging. But, but let me tell you what Scripture calls us to do. The first thing to do is go before God and admit your failure. God, I, I blew it. This marriage, it didn't work. I, I blew it. But secondly, also accept God's grace to you through his son, right? It takes God to keep a marriage going. It takes God to redeem you. You can't redeem yourself. You can't redeem a marriage. Only God can do that through, in you and through you. And number three, start right here and right now in your current marriage to honor God and to love your spouse the way Christ loves the church. All right? So we recapture, in marriage, we recapture the beauty by honoring God. Last point here, and this was a little bit shorter, is recapture the beauty of harmony. 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 16 says this, or 17, excuse me. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord. Again, this is, now we're switching back to a concession instead of a command, all right? That if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made, holy only, is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, there are, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? 
Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, to which God has called him. When Paul was writing this letter, it was really common in a marriage, especially in this time, for two unbelieving people to marry to one another. One of them become a believer after the marriage, and then the other person to remain an unbeliever. And even in those situations, Paul is still saying to the believer, you are still called to honor God by not divorcing your unbelieving spouse. But however, should the unbelieving spouse abandon the marriage, Paul is stating that there is no spiritual obligation to the unbeliever. So how should a believer, how can a believer honor God in a marriage where there is no, where the other spouse is an unbeliever? Two things. One, Paul says, if possible, remain married. In doing so, you will honor God by honoring your commitment to that person. But secondly, allow God to use you as a tool to sanctify the unbeliever and to lead them to Christ. There's an old story that illustrates uh, the principle of honoring God with a marriage that includes an unbeliever. A drunkard husband was spending the evening with his juvial companions at a tavern and boasted that if he took a group of his friends home uh, with him at midnight and asked his Christian wife to get up and cook supper for him, she would do it without complaint. The crowd considered it a vain boast and actually dared him to try to do it. So the drunkard crowd followed him home, and he made the unreasonable demands of his wife. But she obeyed, got dressed, came downstairs, and prepared a very nice supper and served it cheerfully as if she had been expecting them all along. After supper, one of the men asked, how could she be so kind to them when they had been so unreasonable and she replied, to her, she replied to him, Sir, when my husband and I were married, we were both sinners. It, was, it has pleased God to call me out of that dangerous condition. My husband continues in it, and I tremble for his future. Were he to die right now as he is, he would be miserable forever. And I think that it is my duty to render his present existence as comfortable as possible. Not long after this, the husband, through the work of God, through the spouse, became a believer. By seeking to honor God in our marriage, God will use you as an instrument of sanctification. Now, just, just like the story I mentioned earlier with Tracy, my wife. Now, we are both believers. But when I came to her saying, I need you to forgive me for the weight and baggage I bring to this marriage... Her response to me was, I'm not the one to forgive you. God has already forgiven you. And you, that's between you and him. Who am I to judge? And she helped me get back on track by pointing me back to Christ, as I mentioned earlier, and helping me to find fulfillment, not in her, but in him. This text also teaches us that God will use you, through you, through your faith, will use you to not only help sanctify those in your marriage and your family, but he will bless your marriage, including your children. Now, why would God do that? Why would God bless an unbeliever in a marriage with another believer? It's because he cares about the people that are important to you. 
and he cares that about them. He cares about them and using you to lead them to, to lead them to him, to a saving knowledge and to his love for them. So as we conclude, I just want to remind you that God calls us to honor him, regardless of your relationship status. But before we're able to do that, we must first surrender to his love for us, that no relationship, whether you're single, you're married, you're widowed or divorced, will ever fulfill you apart from Christ. So if you're here today and you're struggling with whatever your status is, or you're even struggling with your current spouse, are you willing to go before God and to ask him to show you how you can continue to honor him and to strengthen you in your struggle? And if you're here today and you aren't a believer or a follower of Christ, I want, to, I want you to know that true, satisfying fulfillment and hope in this world will only come from a relationship with Christ. We're about to go here into a time of communion with the Lord, and I just I want to encourage you to go before him in prayer. In your bulletin, there's, there's a blue sheet in there um, with some prayers on it. Would you be willing to read through those prayers and meditate on those and consider asking Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And usually at the end of our service, we will also have our elders come up here. Um, and if you need prayer, or if you just have some questions and you want to ask, would you join me in prayer? Father, we are a people, Lord, who are sinners. And Lord, we thank you that even though we are unfaithful to you, we are, we are selfish people. We are broken people, Father. You always remain faithful to us. You always remain faithful to your promises to us. And you do that out of your love and your mercy and your grace that you have for us, Father. Lord, forgive us for when we, when we look to someone else other than you for fulfillment and wholeness. Forgive us when, when we look to our own selfish ways, Instead of looking to Christ, there is no love in this world that can match the love that you have for us. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for demonstrating that by dying for us on our behalf so that we can have life in your name. Lord, I do pray, Father, if there's someone here today who's single and they're struggling with it, if there's someone here today who's in a marriage and they're struggling with it, or if they're divorced and widowed and they're struggling with it, Father, Help them to turn to you. And Lord, let them hear you. Let them be comforted by you. Let them know that you love them. And help us as a people, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage one another and to comfort one another in that. And to always be willing to point each other back to Christ, back to the gospel. And Father, for those here who are today who are struggling, Lord, let your word just bring them peace. Let your Holy Spirit bring them peace. Lord, we ask and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.